This is a GRDC podcast. Last year, along the east coast of Australia, stripe rust was a huge issue. And experts are warning that in 2023, growers will continue to experience stripe rust pressure with wet summer conditions and significant green bridge carryover from last year, creating the perfect storm for the disease. The good news is there's a free online tool that growers can use to avoid highly susceptible varieties in their regions and develop management plans to minimise impacts. Called the MVT Disease Ratings Tool, it looks at more than just stripe rust, with national trial data broken down by crop, location and pathotype resistances. We caught up with Dr Stephen Simfendorfer, Senior Plant Pathologist at New South Wales DPI based in Tamworth, to discuss the stripe rust situation and what growers can do about it this season. Hi Stephen, thanks for joining us. No worries Sarah, welcome to 2023. Yes, welcome to 2023 and the year is off to a pretty interesting start for growers, isn't it? It's been a wet summer for most of us and there's a lot of green bridges around as well. How does that differ from previous years? And what's that going to mean for stripe rust this season? Yes, certainly as you alluded to there, those those summer conditions, the amount of rainfall, the chance for volunteers on the ground to germinate, and they act as a host for the stripe rust fungus. So, yes, certainly leading into last season, we said it was a 1 in 50 year event, and certainly the risk is there again this year. The difference is it could be a little bit different between regions. Certainly up where I am further north, it's dried off quite quickly, which will certainly be reducing those volunteers a little bit, but a bit of rainfall will be there. So we know we had a big stripe rust year last year. It was huge. So plenty of spores in the environment. If we've got volunteer wheat plants over that period, we're likely to have an early stripe rust epidemic again in 2023. So, you know, this is why we're really urging being proactive with that early rust management. And as Johnny Farnham famously says, take the pressure down. So it's really going to be about limiting that early. And that was part of the problem last year is a couple of things. But the real big split in sowing times last year was an issue. So hopefully we get a bit more of a normal run at sowing and we don't have that huge split in our sowing that created issues. So the potential's there and I think it's be alert, not alarmed. We don't need panic. Nothing's happening that's not predictable and that we can't actually manage well. We just know we have to be on time with our timings and have a clear plan in place. So yeah, certainly I guess what we're trying to urge today is to be proactive and growers to get in front of what their plans are given the resistance of their varieties with those new ratings just being released on the NVT online website and really have a clear plan. And varieties, not just timings, also have a large part to play in planning for the season as well. So what do we know about the impact on different varieties, as well as some of those that are more highly susceptible for this season? Yeah, so certainly last year taught us a lot about the risk versus reward, I guess, of growing some of those very susceptible stripe rust varieties. Where we had access issues to paddocks because it was too wet or just too many jobs in front of the planes, those 10-day delays in spray timing in those more susceptible varieties, and here I don't want to single out varieties, but Rockstar, Vixen, Catapult, some of these on the more susceptible side, we learnt that fungicides are very effective, but if you get the timing out, 
and out of your control, you can have significant yield loss. So there's plenty of examples of missed strips or, you know, couldn't get on for 10 days at that critical flag lease stage and 30 to 40% yield loss. So certainly a high risk in a high risk year like 2022. You know, if you're chasing that reward of a perceived high yield, you've got to be right on top of your management. And you might have paddocks where you know you can't get on if you get too much rain, the accessibility that you don't want very susceptible varieties in that situation, you can get caught out. So I think it's challenged some of it, but I think there'll be a lot more proactive and use of in furrows, et cetera. So flu trifold taking that pressure out early. So pathologists learned a lot last year, and I think growers, agronomists learned a lot last year as well. And in terms of that proactive planning, how can growers factor in longer-term climate forecasts? Yeah, well, this is the thing, I guess. It was pretty easy the last couple of years. I think another thing that 222 has taught us is a, a, hopefully a bit more appreciation for meteorologists. It's pretty hard to predict. I don't think anyone predicted we'd still be lighting uh, inside wood fires, you know, certainly up here in November. That's very unheard of. So the long-term forecast, we knew, you know, we had predictions of La Nina for the last year, so we were going to have a wet spring. There's certainly not those predictions there now. But the other huge factor I think we're dismissing is the temperatures. So the fact that it stayed mild and cool for so long is why the striped rust just kept cycling. It's got its optimum temperatures, which are cooler, and it just wouldn't shut down. The season just run against us with continued raining, but also just stayed cool, just wouldn't warm up, was part of the big issue last year. The other thing there is I think we need to keep in perspective our fungicide management. Yes, so fungicides, most conducive year we've ever had for striped rust, Cool conditions slowed phenology, so we had a really protracted grain fill period. You actually get an economic benefit of maintaining that green leaf area for that extended period of time under those cool conditions. Unless we go cracking dry from here on till sowing, yeah, there's going to be early rust pressure. There has to be. There's so much last year. Wet harvest, a lot of seed on the ground, some issues with Fusarium head blight pretty widespread. So a lot of people up there, their wind speed in their header to blow those small infected grains out the back, which work quite well. But yeah, they could end up volunteers on the ground and host stripe rust. And that stripe rust pressure, that's just one aspect of what the NVT disease ratings look into. Walk us through what are these disease ratings? What information do they provide and how can growers use them? Yes, this is a GRDC-funded program and it's a national program. And what there are is what we call disease nurseries. So they're there for a range of different diseases, but I guess we're interested in stripe rust at the moment. So in that situation, there's nurseries across the country and what we do is we let them naturally get infected. And what we have is generally buffers of susceptible varieties in between the ones we're trying to evaluate, which are usually very small rows and all visual ratings. They're not taken to yield. And we let that get into the buffers and then we use the buffers to spread so we get even infection across the trial. So they're really quite robust. The issue we've got at the moment in Australia is we've got multiple what we call pathotypes, so different strains of the fungus. And the thing with that is they've got what we call virulence. They can affect different genes in varieties differentially. So that's become a real complicating factor. So what we look at then is we've got uh, really three or four now dominant pathotypes, but we've got what we call an East Coast rating, and that's the worst rating that that variety has to any of those four pathotypes because we can't actually predict which pathotype is going to dominate in a given season. Okay, it can change over time. It can change within the season as well. Like our nursery at Tamworth last year, you could see clearly by reaction of varieties it was dominated by the 239 pathotype early, but then the 198 pathotype come in you know, mid-season and certainly affected those varieties. So there's a lot of information there. You'll only get that breakdown of resistance to the different pathotypes on the NVT online site and the disease resistance tool up the right-hand side. We've got to give massive credit to University of Sydney and the program 
co-funded by JDC there, Rob Park's crew, the fact that they're producing this pathotype data for is so critical to industry. So, and they're actually mapping that on their website and you can see what pathotypes are around at different times of the year. And I think you've raised a really important point there about using this tool at different times. You know, pathogens are always changing and evolving as well. So with these disease ratings, how often are they being reviewed and updated? And you mentioned multiple trial nurseries. What areas are these located in? There's multiple in WA and then they're up and down the east coast. So, you know, there's nurseries at Wagga, Horsham, in South Australia and up in Queensland as well. So what we gather as a national group, we put in our own scoring from our own nursery, then that gets collated and we come up with a rating for the different pathotypes that we can, and it's a consensus of that. So it's done annually, so we get uh, nurseries are done every year and we come together and review it. But it looks at historical data too, what we rated those over the last couple of years, and then if we've got new information, it goes in there. They just come out now, so they're updated annually. But on that NVT online site, there's actually the ability to change that within the season, they could get refreshed and information would go out about that. And that would be more of, you know, Sydney Uni detected a new pathotype and actually had some information about it, then you might find that you get a bit of a provisional warning. And you mentioned there about new pathotypes. So there is one that's been recently identified that's now circling and it's called 238. What do we know about this relatively new pathotype? Yeah, so I think the main thing, again, Sydney Uni's been the key people who identified this and have been communicating. The key message there is don't panic. So the 238, which was first detected, I think there was two detections in 2021, you know, well over 20, 30% of last year was this 238. Now, what it looks like, and they're trying to determine whether it's a hybrid, so a cross between the 239 and the 138 pathotype or whether it's a mutation of that. So they haven't figured that out. But in terms of what they know from testing and where we've seen in nurseries, it doesn't change things. So it actually just combines virulence of the 198 and the 239. So it makes a variety look like that. So the key message there is, you know, just look at your 198, 239 ratings and that's pretty much what your 238 is going to do. And I guess the key thing here, looking at the ratings, the longer we grow big areas of very susceptible varieties, we're going to get a lot more mutations because it's all a numbers game, more spores, the lot longer it's going to take to settle down for industry. So, you know, there's a key message there is, you know, it is a biological system. We don't have a heap of control, but we can control what varieties we grow. So I guess if we hang on to those guys, it's going to take a bit longer for it to settle down. And everyone moves to more resistant varieties because it costs money and it's a logistical issue to manage very susceptible varieties, and particularly in very wet years like 2022. So if you are planning to grow those varieties with moderate susceptibility or worse resistant to stripe rust... What are some other management things that you can do to help? Yeah, so I guess just a distinction there is probably when we get down into that susceptible, so susceptible, very susceptible, I think the first key thing is we need to reduce the area of those over time. Moderately susceptible is probably manageable. You're probably looking at maximum a two-spray program on those. So they have got every little jump up in a resistance level makes a difference in the paddock, okay, and there's two reasons. So it cycles slower, the fungus, when you get some level of resistance. So in an SBS variety, it's on a 10-day cycle, it's going quick. Whereas you move up into MRMS, it extends out, they're slow rusting genes, you know, more to a 14-day cycle. So it survives on that green bridge, so getting rid of that green bridge. The key message there, bud, is the more susceptible a variety is to stripe rust, the bigger green bridge risk volunteers of that are over summer. So a volunteer wheat plant of a very susceptible variety is going to host a lot more pathogen, build up a lot more spores than you're ever going to see in an MRMS. 
Okay, so if you want some green pick over that summer period for your sheep in your system, it's not your susceptible varieties that you want to let them get away in your paddocks. It's go with your more resistant. So, yeah, certainly green bridge. I think in those more susceptibles where we know we're going to have early pressure, got to have a look at those upfront options, which really delay the onset of an epidemic. And unfortunately, I think 2023 is going to be very hard again. Last year ended up being easy. It's it's not going to stop rain. The disease aren't going to stop cycling. You're going to have to protect them. Whereas this year, I think you're going to look ahead. What's the next two, three weeks look like? What's the longer-term prediction look like? And a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but a reality is come spring, two to three weeks of warmer, dry weather is the cheapest fungicide you will ever see because it'll stop the pathogen cycling themselves. So it's so dependent on environmental conditions. So what we don't want to see is predictions of a drier spring, it's dried off and everyone goes, I'm going to spray fungicides like I did in 2022. It worked in 2022. You've got to react to the seasonal conditions. We know how these different pathogens work. We know what drives them, what their specific conditions. You need to keep abreast of that information and react to that situation. So control early, keep the pressure down, you've set yourself up well, and then react to the season. Yeah, and in reacting to the season, you've really got to keep yourself up to date. And you mentioned the online NVT disease rating tool is the best place to find the latest information. Any tips for growers that are using this online tool? It's pretty uh, intuitive. It's pretty simple. So, yeah, you click on that disease tool up on the right-hand side, have a play with it, select your particular crop. So it's there for pulses and other things. Make sure you're selecting your state in case there's any state differences with pathotypes. Yeah, and you just filter it down. I find it's really good. You can take a screen capture of the table that it pumps out, the beautiful coloured table, put that into a Word document, print it, you've got it there. So you've got that for your clients or for yourself. So where can people find out more information or give the disease rating tool or go themselves. So the disease rating tools on NVT Online. So if you type NVT Online in, you'll come up with the website, click on it, and it's up the top right. And yeah, I think just stay abreast of GRDC, like podcasts like this, uh, New South Wales DPI, through Penny Houston, do our own series of podcasts as well. So there'll be information there. Obviously, Ground Cover's got things. Twitter's probably one where we use a bit to get stuff out rapidly, links to that. Plenty of communication going on. And the other thing too, don't be afraid to reach out. If you're having issues with a particular management decision, you're probably not the only one you're probably the one who's going to ask so if you think there's something going on or there's something going on in the industry and you're going oh they're all spraying for this and i'm not sure what it is or what's going on you know alert us and certainly we've got that diagnostic support within season two to send samples in and, and get make sure you're getting the correct diagnosis i think just accept the season's going to be dynamic so we're all doing our best we'll try to react to whatever happens and and give the best advice we can so there's plenty of information there Well, good luck with the busy 2023 season ahead and thanks for joining us, Stephen. Not a problem, though. Yeah, look forward to it. Hopefully we uh, get good yields at the end and quality this time. That was Dr Stephen Simfendorfer, Senior Plant Pathologist from New South Wales DPI. This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Sarah Sanderson. Thanks for listening.